How are you? You definitely want to mark your calendars for that day because I will be uh, smoking meat with the skills that I brought from Wisconsin. So you don't want to miss that. Well, uh, by the way, my name is Charlie Salamone. If we have not met, it's a pleasure to meet you. We've been doing a series on the book of John, and for the last uh, couple months, it seems, we've been in a portion called the Final Discourse. Now, I actually wasn't uh, supposed to preach today. We had to switch around. Uh, one of our preaching team members had to, had to get on a plane. So uh, to not disrupt the schedule, I thought of doing something a little different. Um, in the final discourse, if you've been with us, you remember this. Jesus has been telling them that he's been telling his disciples that he was going to leave, right? And someone else was going to come. And this was going to change everything. And this has been part of our conversation. This other person who had come is the person of the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do today is instead of looking at that portion of John, we're going to follow the Bible after that a little bit to see how that played out to get a better understanding of what this means for us. Um, so... If we jump ahead to Luke chapter 24, picking up in verse 45, it goes like this. Um, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he, had them when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So here... Uh, um, Jesus is saying the same thing when he says that uh, you're going to receive the promise. That's what we read in verse uh, uh, 49. I'm going to send to you what my Father has promised. We know that this is talking about the Holy Spirit because it's the same language in the book of uh, Acts, which comes next. Um, I'm going to send you what my Father promised, and what the promise is is the Holy Spirit, the way that it's written in this phrasing is, is, is what you find. The way that it's phrased in the book of Acts, as well as in a couple places in John, is um, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, John baptized with water. Um, John baptized with water, but one is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We're actually going to have a water baptism later today. But in the scriptures, this concept of baptism with the Holy Spirit is entirely different from water baptism. And to be honest, it's a little, there's a little controversy, debate surrounding it, and we'll get into that. But I thought it'd be really helpful to talk about this a little more, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
But first, as I was thinking about this, it's really weird how this works. I start thinking about something random. My mind starts going down a road. And, well, it relates. Um, in, 19, in 1847, nitroglycerin was invented by a certain Italian chemist named Asanio Sobrero. 1847, nitroglycerin. That was significant. Nitroglycerin, as it turns out, had two very helpful uses. Uh, for one, nitroglycerin has a way of reviving the heart. If your heart is stressed and not getting the blood flow it needs, nitroglycerin has a way of relaxing your heart muscles and the blood can flow. That's helpful. The other thing nitroglycerin can do, which was very helpful at the time and still is, it explodes. Uh, way more than what they were using previously, which was gunpowder. So like for like, you know, mining and things like that, a big explosion. And it's interesting that I started thinking about this uh, because as it relates to the Holy Spirit, you could really talk about how the Holy Spirit, there is this aspect of reviving the heart as the Holy Spirit falls upon us. And then there's also another aspect. Um, we read it and we're going to continue to consider it. Power. Reviving the heart and also power. But there was a problem with nitroglycerin as it was. While it was true that there was great power, if it was not handled correctly, it would blow up when you wouldn't want it to. And actually, uh, uh, Ansanio Sobrero, he himself was seriously injured by nitroglycerin. And a lot of other people were as well. If it wasn't handled properly, it was actually quite destructive. Um, this conversation regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be totally honest, I was a little nervous talking about it because it is controversial and churches have blown up over this. We're not going to. Um, but the... Um, Blown up in a bad way. They've also blown up in a good way, but they, they've at other times blown up in a bad way. If this concept is not handled properly, it can be rather dangerous. Um, 20 years after nitroglycerin was invented, another fellow arose by the name of Alfred Nobel. And... He discovered that if you mix nitroglycerin with a certain kind of sand, it'll kind of absorb it. And suddenly, nitroglycerin is now able to be handled. And now, this great power could be harnessed in a way that was useful. Um, Alfred Nobel called his invention dynamite, which is actually the same, comes from the same Greek word of, that we're reading here, power. Um, and you might know the name Alfred Nobel because from him we get the Nobel Prize, the Nobel Peace Prize, which is really interesting. If you think about it, the person 
where the Nobel Peace Prize comes from is the person who invented dynamite. And it's true that uh, great power, when handled correctly, can be a force of great peace. Um, we're going to discuss all this today and give you a little backdrop in, in the controversy of it. Um, and I think that the reason that there is controversy, to be totally honest, is because the devil who sows discord would love for us not to understand this. Um, but my hope is that we're going to understand it uh, as dynamite with power harnessed uh, correctly. Father God, I pray that you would guide my words so that I could speak your truth, only your truth, in a way with grace, kindness, your character, your love, your patience, and that we would be blessed by your word, by your truth, by your spirit. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so let me uh, fill you in a little bit on why this is a little controversial, uh, why that there is a, a good matter of debate within the church regarding the concept of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, um, first off, actually, before I explain the debate, what I'm going to put forth as what I see in the scriptures, like I say, there's a debate about it. And in the church, there are certain things that we are really free to disagree on and this is one of those issues as in you don't have to agree with me to be part of the church to be friends with me or anyone else I'll actually let you in on a little secret uh, there are some issues that even as a leadership team we don't all agree on but one thing we do agree on is that the value of unity in Christ is more important than a lot of these secondary issues so this issue, while it is important, I think it's very important, it's not something that's more important than our unity and our oneness in Christ. So if you don't agree with what I'm saying, God bless you. <laughs> We're still cool. <laughs> but I'm going to share with you what I think is biblical. I'm going to show you why I think it's biblical and, and, and really what it means. Okay, baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the, uh, the debate? You see this term in uh, some of the Gospels. John the Baptist quoted it. Jesus talked about it. You see it a lot in the book of Acts, baptism with the Holy Spirit. What is it? The controversy regarding baptism with the Holy Spirit is that some people think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the receiving of the Holy Spirit that all Christians receive at conversion, when we are saved, when we believe. Um, this you would get from perhaps John chapter 3. Uh, you, know, be, uh, you must be born again of water and the Spirit. Or Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, you were sealed by the Spirit when you believed. I don't think that's true. Hold on. I do think it's definitely true that if you believe in Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely true. If you're a believer in Jesus, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. But I don't think that's the same thing as baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's where the, the debate comes in. Some people think it's the same thing. 
some people think, and I would put myself in this camp, that there is something different. There is something distinct. As in, you can have the Holy Spirit at conversion, but baptism of the Holy Spirit is something else. Okay? So, um, why do I say that? Uh, lots of reasons, but the passage we just read, uh, Jesus says, um, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And we know, again, he's talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit because of the same phrasing in the book of Acts. Wait until you receive what my Father has promised. For not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized, the word baptized means submerged. We're going to see someone get submerged in the water. It's talking about like a fullness, like total full, okay? You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't think baptism of the Holy Spirit is pertaining to conversion. And I feel like you can see that right here. Jesus is saying, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And what did they do? They worshipped him, um, praising God. What I'm trying to say is these people were already converted. These people were born again. They're seeing Jesus. They're worshipping him. And actually, at the end of the book of John, Jesus actually says, he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Where um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something else. Uh, we, we see this in, in other ways, too. A lot of times in the book of Acts, um, Adrian at the young adult meeting we had this Wednesday, he shared Acts chapter 8. And there's an occasion where Philip, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes to Samaria, and the people hear the gospel, and it says they believed and were baptized. Like, they were water baptized. They believed and they were baptized. And then later... Later, uh, some of the apostles show up, and at that time, they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. To be fair, um, for those who would disagree with my position, they would say that that is a unique time because, that's a unique time because um, the book of Acts is telling the story of how the gospel spread beyond Jerusalem, and it was important for people to see that the Holy Spirit, the, the gospel message was saving people um, outside of Jerusalem, Samaritans, and then Gentiles, if you keep reading the book of Acts. And I hear that. And again, if you think that, God bless you, but I'm not convinced. Because I really see the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an experience. It's always an experience. Conversion can happen internally, right? It's a faith. It's, it's a mustard seed. Conversion can happen um, it, it's, a, it's, it's in the secret places of the heart. It's not necessarily an experience of of external power. And notice what Jesus says here. Jesus says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you've been, and this is how he phrases it, clothed with power from on high. Once more, salvation, conversion, is something that happens internally. But baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that we are clothed with externally, and it's power. Um, what is this power for? This is also really important. Verse 46 says, um, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 47, and repentance 
For the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit is discussed, it's in the same context. You will receive power. There's that word again. Power, and you will be my witnesses. The purpose of this filling, of this submerging, of this baptism, of this power, is for the proclamation of repentance, for the forgiveness of sins. As in Jesus died for our sins, turn to him. We need him. We all need him. He's a good and loving savior. He will take you. He will receive you. Turn to him. Repent. Turn to him. Don't live for yourself. Live for him. Put him first and receive life. And with that promise of forgiveness, there's also a promise. And this is partly what I'm going to show you. There's a promise for us of power. I want you to hear that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this. And I understand this might challenge some of you. This might feel a little bit outside of, of much of what you've perhaps been taught. I do think it is an issue that a lot of times we avoid. But I see it as kind of important. Um, let's keep reading it as we consider this a little more. Um, so hold on a second. Hold on a second. So Jesus said, um, you're going to receive power, clothed from on high, power. And, and in the book of Acts, chapter 1, he says, not many days from now, uh, you're going to be baptized. What did they do then? Then he left. What did they do? And I think this is important because for anyone who longs for this promise, I think there's a little bit of an instruction here. What, what did they do? What did they do? Uh, we read what they did in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. What did they do? They joined together constantly in prayer. Constantly. That word rung out in my mind. Jesus told this story, kind of a parable in Luke chapter 11. He says, you get a surprise visitor in the middle of the night. You don't have any food. You go to your neighbor's house, and you knock on the door. Your neighbor's in bed, and you're like, I need some food to give my guests. And your neighbor's like, I'm in bed. I don't want to get up. But you knock. You keep knocking. You keep knocking, and you say, I, I really need you to get up. And, and eventually, your neighbor says, okay, well, what do you need? Jesus tells a story to emphasize being bold in prayer and consistent. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Don't give up. Ask, ask, ask constantly. They were constantly in prayer. And when Jesus told that story, he actually had one specific prayer in mind. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What were they praying for? You can bet they were praying for the same thing Jesus said was going to happen. Not many days from now, you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Jesus also told us, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What should our posture be? Asking for this promise. Asking for this clothing with power that Jesus said was coming. And once more, I'm going to show you that this promise is, is for us. Um, so then, keep reading. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Filled, filled, submerged. Um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them. Suddenly, suddenly it came. So, um, a lot of times we will use the word sanctification, which is an important word. It's an important concept. Sanctification for the Christian is that slow and steady growth in our character to become more like Jesus. And often uh, we look to sanctification as the way in which we grow in the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense in which that's true because that concept, sanctification, slow and steady growth, is very important. But that's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about a sudden gift of power from on high. Important distinction. Tongues of fire came upon them. They started speaking in other languages. Um, after the first of the year, we're going to take a break from the book of John for a little bit until the Easter season comes around. And what I'm thinking is we're going to spend a little time going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to dive into more of these concepts of spiritual gifts. If you don't know what that is, you'll find out. Tongues, if you don't know what that is. Rather long conversation we'll have when we get to the book of 1 Corinthians. What I'll tell you now, it's speaking in a language that you don't naturally know. Um, they were suddenly speaking in languages that they did not know. I do want to say one little thing. There are some people, again, this is one of the controversial things. There are some people that believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always evidenced by speaking in tongues and with that, I strongly disagree. Um, it is sometimes evidenced by speaking in tongues. I believe in speaking in tongues. I, I speak in tongues. I pray in tongues. It's a very personal thing. Um, I believe in speaking in tongues. But I do not believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always evidenced by tongues. And to be honest, I think that teaching is one of the things that has prevented people from fully grasping um, this promise. I say that because I say the scriptures clearly say it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've all been baptized by the same spirit. And then in the same, in the same breath, he says, do all speak in tongues. Do all prophesy. And he's saying there are different manifestations, but the same spirit. So that's important. Okay? I believe in tongues. We're going to talk about it later when we get to 1 Corinthians. But I don't believe the baptism of the spirit is always evidenced by tongues. But it is always evidenced by power. Important distinction. Um, but in this case, tongues came. And in other cases in the book of Acts, tongues came. Um, it, it might be often characterized by tongues, but not always. Um, well, so then Peter starts to preach. Peter starts to preach. Like I said, remember? Remember the purpose is, the, the great purpose is the witness the, the witness, the, the, the proclaiming of um, repentance and forgiveness. And Peter begins to preach. And notice this one thing he says in his sermon. Um, he says when you get to verse 17, he says, In the last days, God says, 
I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He's quoting the Old Testament. Um, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This doesn't mean every single individual. It means of all peoples, every tribe, every tongue, anyone who, who believes the promise. Pour out, uh, pour out my spirit. Once more, there's that concept of being submerged. It's, it's more than just having the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a submerging pour out a spirit, and with that will come gifts. He's talking about spiritual gifts, which, again, we'll talk about when we get to 1 Corinthians, what that means. But one of the things it means is, is prophesizing. Um, uh, actually, I, I think later, after I'm done preaching, instead of Q&A today, we're going to do something different. I'm going to invite my friend Sam up here, and he's going to share a story that, um, that involves this, uh, prophesizing. So anyways, let's keep going. Um, he says this. He says this. Um, I'm going to pour my spirit on all people, your sons, your daughters. And then, you know, the, the, the climax of his sermon in verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they, will, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Remember earlier, we talked about this last week, I believe, uh, Jesus said that uh, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, maybe this was two weeks ago. It was recent. Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness. Um, and what that means is the message that we need a Savior, that we need salvation, that our hearts are not good, that message, which previously was not really heard, as in, it, it went out, but it was not actually received. Hearts were too hard to grasp it. Hearts were too blind to grasp it. He said that's going to change. Through the Spirit, he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness. As in, he's going to open their eyes, he's going to show them. And now we see this taking place because Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he preaches repentance and forgiveness. And what happens? 3,000 hearts cut to the heart, saved, believed. It's happening by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter is preaching, and it's different. It's being received different. I say this, I say this, because I want us reading this, hearing this, considering our ministries, considering our church, considering the effectiveness of our ministries, and realizing this makes all the difference, doesn't it? 3,000 hearts struck and I told you that the promise is for us. Uh, Peter says, Repent, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. And what promise? The promise he spoke about earlier, the promise of Joel. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all people. This is part of the promise. Now, 
part of the reason why it's so important for us, I believe, to hear this, and even though it is a little bit of a controversial theology, the reason why I think it's important is because the way we receive the promises are through faith. Through faith, we receive promises. As in, through faith, we hear this, we believe, and then we do what Jesus instructed is we ask, seek, knock. God, fill me, fill me, fill me. We believe, we ask, and we look. And I fear that if you don't think this promise is for us, well, naturally, you're not going to ask for it, and you're certainly not going to believe that it's coming. And I want us asking for it, and I want us to believe. That's why this is important. I believe the promise is for us. As Peter said, the promise is for you and your children. Um, okay. Let's keep reading, actually. Verse 23. Everyone was filled with awe. This is after 3,000 people believed and were baptized. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, they were filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I think that's noteworthy, the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. We know from the book of Acts that it was not only the apostles that were able to do miracles and signs and wonders. Philip did it. Uh, not Philip the, the apostle, but Philip the evangelist, just a regular Christian. Signs and wonders. Stephen, signs and wonders, also not an apostle. So it wasn't limited only to the apostles, but it seems like it primarily was based on this verse. It doesn't seem like every Christian was out raising people from the dead and, and, um, and performing great signs and wonders. I get that from also uh, 1 Corinthians. There are different manifestations, but the same spirit. So I'm not going to say we need to do this or we need to do that. But the common thread is a power that falls upon us, um, filled with awe. I think that's connected, what it says in verse 43. Filled, filled, submerged, baptized. Filled with awe. Um, so this conversation regarding the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he brings, the, the manifestations of the Spirit, like I say, it's, it's, it, it, it's a source of, of controversy. It can be nitroglycerin uh, without the dynamite. Okay? It can be problematic. And what's very interesting to me is that there's nothing new under the sun. That's not new. Right from the beginning, that was a problem back then. If you read 1 Corinthians, um, there's a lot of discord in the church, unfortunately. And there's also a lot of spiritual gifts. These things were there together, sadly. And in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 1 Corinthians 14, and I think we're going to walk through all of this um, after the first year. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the Apostle Paul is speaking about the spiritual gifts and how to properly handle these spiritual gifts. Um, and in a way that it's not going to cause discord. 
And it's the way that it's not going to be a problem. Verse 12 and verse 14. 12 and 14, spiritual gifts. 12 and 14. And you might wonder, why not 13? Because he stops in the middle of the conversation of spiritual gifts and he says, pause. I want to show you a more excellent way. Signs, wonders, tongues, prophecy, healing, teaching, evangelism, stop. Those things are all important. But I want to show you a more important way. And then he begins with one of the most well-known portions of Scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-serving. If I speak in the tongues of angels but I don't have love, it's, it's annoying. It's not helpful. Um, if I know all prophecy and know all wisdom but I don't have love, it's worthless. You gain nothing. Um, all the power in the world is, is of no value if there's no love. And here what we have, as these people are filled with the Holy Spirit, what they have is we see evidence of them loving one another, meeting together, giving to one another. Um, this is the, the sand that brings forth nitroglycerin into dynamite. Um, this, this, is, this is what will protect us. We prioritize love above the spiritual gifts, even above them. Spiritual gifts are important. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I do not want you to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But we're going to prioritize love above that. And that way, this power can be har harnessed in a way where it can be helpful. Amen? Very good. Um, one more thing. One more thing. Last passage for today. Acts chapter 4, two chapters later. Um, what happened was a couple of the apostles got themselves arrested, got themselves beaten, um, got, they were threatened, and then they were let go. And, um, and they prayed. And listen what they prayed. Chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is very important. This is very important. The same people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 are now praying once more, and once more, they are filled again. And, and filled, and they're speaking the word of God boldly. Uh, the purpose of the filling, once more, is, is the witnessing, the proclamation. And it's, it's, the, the text is supposed to connect you with Acts chapter 2 because once more, the place is shaken. Same thing that happens suddenly in Acts chapter 2. Suddenly, the place is shaken. Suddenly, they're filled, baptized, submerged in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they are proclaiming the word of God with, with boldness. It happens again. The reason why this is very, very important is because some of you might actually be looking back in your life. You might be asking the question, was I ever baptized in the Holy Spirit? Has this ever happened to me? I'm not really sure. There was that one time, or there's a couple times, and some of you are thinking, yes, of course, it's happened to me. It doesn't matter. Don't look back. Don't look back. That's not the point of this. Because whether you've been filled, baptized, submerged, and you can use whatever word you want, whether you have in the past is irrelevant in comparison to the posture we need to have now. 
Now we want to be filled. Maybe we've been filled already. Doesn't matter. We want to be filled now. These guys, already filled, they need to be filled again, don't they? And God answered their prayer. Beloved, I have an exhortation from all this, meaning something I want you to do, okay? Something tangibly I want you to do. I want you, us, individually and together, asking, seeking, knocking. Lord, give us the promise that you spoke about. Fill me. Fill us. Fill me. Submerge me in your spirit with with power so that I can do your will with power. Fill us as a church. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I want us asking for this because the promises are received through faith. Ask, seek, knock. How much more? Let's just hear the words of Jesus again. How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's not talking about people who aren't saved. It's talking about believers. Ask, seek, and knock for this Holy Spirit. That's us. That's what we're being exhorted to. Okay, I have time. I'll tell this story quick because there's a story that came to mind, actually, as I was thinking about this praying because there's a way, there's a way that I want us praying. There's a difference between praying and praying with faith. Praying, like you ask for something, then it's like, well, who knows if it'll ever happen. I don't want you praying that way. You can ask for something, it's like, it's in God's hands. I mean, I know God is sovereign, don't get me wrong. We can put stuff in his hands and we can say God is sovereign. But when God has made promises, that's not the way we're supposed to pray. When God has made promises, we're supposed to pray in a way where it says, Lord, you said you would do it. So we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. We're waiting and we're ready. We're waiting and we're ready. Because you said, because you promised. I had an experience uh, not that long ago, just a few weeks ago. Uh, we were privileged to be able to go to a Habs game, the Montreal Canadiens. I love being a Canadian now, by the way. I love being here. I love the Habs. Our family, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, very thankful. Um, we, we went to a game, my family, um, and my uh, 14-year-old Israel, she was so excited to be there. She was so excited. Um, during the game, you know, they'll randomly put people on the big screen, and she kept saying, she, I don't know how many times she kept saying, oh, I want to I be on the screen. I want to be on the screen. And I didn't have the heart to tell her. I'm like, you know, thinking, I'm like, Israel, there's 23,000 people in this room. And she's just like, oh, I really want to be on the screen. She was ready because she kept her phone camera ready to go. <laughs> so if we showed up on the screen, she would be ready. Cue the picture. Do you see her with her phone in her hand? She was ready. Yes, she wanted it, but it was more than just wanting it. She was ready. Here's the deal. I have an exhortation. Ask, seek, knock. There is a promise, a promise of being submerged with his spirit, baptized with his spirit. My exhortation to you is to ask, seek, knock, don't give up, but do it with faith. Lord, we're expecting it. We're ready because you said, you said to ask for this. Father God, fill us with your spirit. Baptize, with your, 
baptize us with your spirit. Submerge us with your spirit. Clothe us with power from on high. And let us proclaim you. With your spirit's power, let us proclaim you. In your name, Jesus, amen. The Lord is good. Um, I'm really excited about today. Um, this is Sam. Uh, he, you've been in, in Montreal for, what, a year almost? Eight months. Eight months. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and recently, uh, uh, your wife, Jinsi, and Chris, who are here somewhere. Yes. You guys yeah. just got here a few weeks ago, yeah? Or a month or so? Yeah, a month. Um, so, Sam, uh, you were a, a pastor and a church planter in India, correct? Yeah, yes. 15 years I was planting churches and pastoring in India, and God used to plant three churches in the city of Bangalore. And I am just so thankful that uh, Sam is now part of our church. Uh, he's been, um, well, before his class schedule changed, he was at our staff meetings as an intern, and we've been talking about a, a ministry uh, aimed at immigrants that I'm really hoping that the Lord will put together and we'll be able to launch soon. But Sam, we talked last week, and um, some of the things you said really got me thinking, and it's part of the reason why I wanted to have you up here. When we were talking, uh, you said to me that among, you know, the unbelievers in India, uh, apologetics doesn't really work. And apologetics, if you don't know, is kind of like using logic and, and like arguments, like crafting arguments to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah and Christianity is true. It's just logic, arguments, and sometimes it works. Uh, I think C.S. Lewis will tell you that he was saved through things like this. But you said that uh, um, you said uh, uh, apologetics doesn't really work. Uh, how have you seen, well, if that doesn't really work, what does work? Yeah, we see a lot of people coming to the Lord in our place, and uh, I do not underestimate uh, the role of apologetics in evangelism, but in our experience, we see a lot of non-Christians coming to the Lord through miracles, signs, wonders, experiencing God in the deepest need. And um, yeah, I can share maybe many examples and many experiences, but I would share one among them. In my last church plant, and uh, maybe around 10 years ago, I, was, I began that ministry there. And one Sunday, a lady came to our church from a non-Christian background. And her family was uh, part of a priestly group in uh, their religion. And so she was a, a religious leader in the yes, community. Yes, yes. And... Um, so she came to, uh, that, that, on that, the previous weekend to that Sunday, she went to her hometown and uh, she wanted to commit suicide and she was about to consume poison, commit suicide, and then she didn't do and she came back to the city and the next Sunday uh, she was in our church. And um, so she came uh, to the church with poison. Poison was there in her bag. So I was ministering and I was preaching from uh, Ezekiel about dry bones and 
it was it was not that excited you uh, know exciting sunday but after my message after my message and um, um we used to pray for people and while praying i got this uh, word of knowledge or prophetical insight uh, so i said this uh, there is a person in this room who wanted to commit suicide but god is loving you god's father's love coming upon you and healing you and and delivering you and no one responded nothing happened in the room but i prayed for that uh, word and person and then uh, that week we came to know this lady went back and threw away poison and accepted lord and um, eventually she took baptism and became part of our church yeah so that's why we said that's uh, that's just so amazing to me so you were preaching and you just got a, a sense or a, or you somehow got a sense that there was that there was someone in the room who wanted to commit suicide yes and this often uh, often happen in our ministry we strongly believe in a prophetical move a prophetical ministry where we get insight about what's going on in people's life and what can happen and um so it's our experience it's uh, you know keep happening in our ministry you know it's so interesting that he shares that story because like i said i would hope to do a series soon on first corinthians but what he shared right there lines up perfectly with the way the apostle paul says that the gift of prophecy should work uh, in first corinthians chapter 14 verse 24 and 25 he says But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really among you. There's this idea that if we are prophesying, something is going to it's a non-believer is going to just like what happened yeah. here, they're going to know God must be among you. I'll be honest like that's never happened to me <laughs> while I was preaching. I've never had something like that specific instance happen. Um and uh wow. Uh that's why that's why you know today pastor was encouraging we have to seek knock and you know ask this experience and uh, when we do that definitely God is going to give us those kind of experiences. You know um I Remember when we talked last week I asked you like what do you feel like is the one thing we can do as a church uh hold on a second when you said apologetics doesn't really seem to work among the non-believers in India that resonated with me so much because if you haven't figured out that's where we're at okay in our culture yeah once in a while someone is just convinced by a well-crafted argument but as a whole not working Okay? And that's part of why I've been longing for well what Jesus says being clothed with power from on high because I feel like we mo- need more than just well-crafted words um based on the need that we have. And so I I remember I asked you what can we do? What do you feel like we can do um to see things like this happen in our midst? I don't know if you remember what you said to me. <laughs> uh definitely um i would say prayer and uh, see if you want to move in a prophetical ministry you really need to tune yourself with god 
through your heart, through your ears. Then only you can actually you know, hear you know, his impressions, his voice that coming to us. So I would definitely say prayer will help you, help us to tune ourselves with God. And then secondly, I would say sometimes we have to take a risk. You know, there's a, an, an amount of risk that we need to take. And, uh, because say that again. I'm sorry. We have what? A risk. You know, sometimes we have to come out from the uh, comfort zone and move in faith. Kind of like we're prompted, Step, like stepping yeah, out in faith. Yeah. Okay. So we need courage for that. We yep. need to take an amount of uh, risk or, uh, you know, a step of faith that will help us. Okay, well, we are actually out of time right now, but Sam, there's actually a lot of other stories and just wisdom that the Lord has given him through his insights. So as soon as we can schedule it, we're going to have him um, at, on our, one of our podcasts for an extended conversation on these matters. Uh, thank you, Sam, for being You're here. Um, let me just pray as just closing us. Uh, Father God, once more, we just ask for your spirit to fill us. And I would ask for us as a church that we would have a heart that is ready and waiting and asking with faith, Lord, and you would be true to your promise. The promise you said is for us and for our children, Lord. Um, I, I thank you for Sam and his willingness to share, Lord. I pray that you bless him and Jincy and Chris and their life here in Canada, Lord. Increase their, their fruitfulness, um, and, and give them a ministry here um, just as much as you were using them in India, Lord. And um, Lord, and continue to just be with us as, as, we, as we just worship you and um, give you glory through, through the baptism that's going to happen, Lord. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.